Welcome to a little juju podcast. This is the podcast that is all about black ass spiritual traditions, African traditional religions, honoring the ancestors and honoring ourselves. I'm your host Juju and I'm really excited for today's episode because we have another interview episode by the queen, the goddess Ialosha Ashunyemi Akalatunde. Um, but first, we're going to do a little intro, going to talk about some things, and then we're going to get into this bomb interview, y'all. But this episode is completely dedicated to black women, my faves. So sit back, relax, and let's get into it. Welcome to the show. Little juju, all you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is, all you need, all you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju, a little juju, a little juju. A little juju is the way. It's how I start my day. Camfer no say. And I'll never give play. I'll take your photos to the grave. But that ain't even my thing. I just stay at the crossroads, pray. I just pour a little honey from my bay to make them stay. But I manifest a little with my Baileys I'm my ancestor's baby So I give them everything that they gave me Hey, hey, hey How y'all feeling? I hope y'all are feeling good I'm in a good space I have been doing a lot of intentional healing work I have really leveled up spiritually. Just a lot of things feel like they're settling down for me, which is so good because I, <laughs> child, I really was going through like a Pokemon evolution and now things are starting to make sense around me. I'm feeling a lot more grounded. So appreciate folks who, you know, were always sending me good juju and prayers and everything because I'm, I'm just feeling so... I'm doing so, 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 so. Y'all remember that song by Destiny Child? So good. <laughs> it was like one of their first albums. Maybe their second one. Writings on the Wall. True Beyonce stand here. Ask about me. Speaking of Beyonce, amazing ass black woman. Have I been on here since, um, since Homecoming came out? I don't even know. But like, thanks Beyonce. <laughs> Thank you for like reselling us something that you did last year and still making it relevant and still having us jam and still having us love it. Only a black woman. Only a black woman. That's why today's episode is dedicated to black women. Anyone who self-identifies as a black woman, this is for you. And maybe I'll even dedicate it to people who love black women and who um, believe in black women and who live their lives to make the lives of black women better. <laughs> um, I, you know, when I first interviewed um, Ia for this, for this show, which I will hear later, which is going to be so good. I was like, you know, what should the title be called? What should I even kind of, how do I even open up and, and, and just, I don't know, like, how do I, what do I talk about before this bomb interview? And I was like, no, I just need to dedicate this interview to black women, black women, the people who have loved me and nurtured me and, and shown me how to live, how to love, how to fight, how to be patient, 
Um, they showed me through their mistakes on what not to do and showed me through their victories of what to do. Um, a beautiful black woman birthed me and has cared for me and loved on me. So I was just like, yeah, I just gotta, and, and black women are like the main people who support me in this work, um, who book readings from me, who reach out to me, who tell me that they love me, that they support me, that they appreciate me. Um, that's black women, that's black women. So this is for y'all. Um, this is for all people who, who are black women, who, continue to pour into me and who uh, who I pour into, you know, who are one of the groups of people that I prioritize in doing this work. So this is for y'all. Um, black women are, I mean, everything to me. I always say black women, I can do anything through black women who strengthen me, but it's so true. It's so true. And, you know, black women, um, Ia says this a lot, but like black women are human beings. And so I, I never want to, when I'm uplifting black women, I also want to uplift that, you know, we are human beings. And so that means that we make mistakes. That means that we don't know everything. That means that we can also be problematic. Um, and that also means that we are also perfect in everything that we are and that we have done so much to contribute to the, our societies, um, to the advancement of societies, um, to the civilized nature of societies. <laughs> like black women are so important. Like I could just scream it from the rooftops. I do try to scream it from the rooftops because I don't know who I would be if there was no black woman. Well, first of all, I wouldn't be alive. <laughs> but besides that, I don't know who I would be without black women. So this is just me sending all my good juju to black women today. Um, I challenge you to love on a black woman today. I challenge you to pay a black woman today. I challenge you to tell a black woman why you love her today and what she means to you. Um, and, and also to do that every day because, you know, black women are so often unprotected, so often not believed so often told that we are too much. And if you are a black woman listening, I'm just telling you that you are not too much. And if you are a non-black woman listening, I just encourage you to love on a black woman today and, and to tell her that you appreciate her and everything that she does and how she shows up. And if you're a black woman also, love on yourself. Love on you today. Go and take yourself out. I'm telling you, that's, that's what you gotta do after you listen to this podcast. You gotta do something nice for yourself. I don't care what it is. Got to do something nice for yourself and prioritize yourself because the world around you, you know, it's going to tell you that you, you shouldn't prioritize nobody but everybody else. So today, Juju said your homework is to prioritize you. Okay. So that's my little love, my little love note to black women. Speaking of doing things that are nice for black women and loving on black women, if you didn't know, I am a black woman. So <laughs> I'm finna tell y'all how y'all can do something nice for me. Make it real easy. All you need is a little juju. So a little juju podcast is written, produced, hosted, edited by a black woman. That black woman being me. <laughs> 
And so creating a podcast and doing all those things is is a lot of labor, but is it is a labor of love because I love to do this work. I love to talk about the things that we talk about here and the ancestors and ourselves and healing. I love it, but it's 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 a lot of work and it's also not free. So if you um, have benefited from this show in any way or love this show and our listener, I always um, um, would like to open up the space for you to be able to give to me um, in different ways and give mostly to the show so that the show can continue in the ways that it does and to be able to continue putting out this information and having guests and and just making the show better. So there's a few ways that you can do that. You can support the show monetarily and non-monetarily, but I want to talk about the monetary ways first. So the first ways that you can donate to the show monetarily is through a site called Patreon. And through Patreon is where I ask for a donation of $3 a month. So it comes right out of your bank account the first of every month. And you can donate more than $3 a month or you can donate less than $3 a month, but it's a more consistent way to donate to a Little Juju podcast. Um, I will have the information in the show notes on how you can donate to my Patreon, but the website is patreon.com slash jujubay. The second way that you can donate is a less, uh, is a more non-committal way. So if you have a little extra coin or, you know, you just want to send a little coin to this black woman, to this black woman ran podcast, you can send it via cash app. So my cash app is dollar sign I-T-S-J-U-J-U-B-A-E. And then you can also hit me up in the PayPal for another non-committal way to um, donate money. If you just got a little, little coin you want to send over my way you can send it to the jujubay at gmail.com that is my paypal and i appreciate all my uh folks who donate to me and send me love in the monetary ways and i want to shout out now my new patrons that i got so the new people who signed up to donate to me uh monthly all right all right so shout out to brianna and ajua for becoming a patrons thank you i like the little joint patron vibes thank y'all um shout out to krista shout out to kira coleman um i want to thank isha or isha somerville and i want to thank travis tatum for becoming patrons i'm sending all the juju the good juju all the money juju all the coin juju to you I appreciate you all. I appreciate people who uh, share the energy of currency with me, who share the energy of money with me. And I pray that you all get this coin that you send me. You get it back 10 times over, 20 times over. Let it be flipped for you ASAP so that all of the things that you want to create and build that you need the money for, may you have it. So I appreciate all of that. And I send that to all the folks who donate to me on my PayPal and my Cash App too. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and also want to say that, you know, the money for the Patreon, it goes towards paying for different things that come up with our website content, with getting new equipment, which I'm still working on. I, my headphones broke already randomly, like just things that come up with having to, uh, software, um, paying people to edit the podcast, um, edit my interviews, um, paying God paying, I, I just paid someone to give me some podcast advice. Shout out to Sam from Inner Hole Uprising. Um, check their podcast out. That was one of the first podcasts that, actually not one of, it was the first podcast that I ever listened to in my life. And so Sam, which is one of the hosts of the show, um, kind of 
guided me through some just like podcasting advice, podcasting tips. So wanting to shout out a black woman, shout out to Sam. Um, Sam is like my podcast mentor in my head (laughs) because in a lot of ways, I don't consider myself a podcaster, even though I know that I am. I don't feel like, I feel like I'm just somebody who likes to run their mouth and I have a mic, but maybe that's what a lot of podcasters feel like. Maybe that's what we are. I don't know. So I don't know. I really look up to Sam. So shout out to Sam. I'm going to put um, a link to Inner Whole Uprising in the show notes. And speaking of Sam and speaking of one of the first podcasts I ever listened to, this is relevant because I'm talking about what the coins go towards. So I'm trying to get to New York. I'm trying to get to New York to go to Pod and Live, which I think is probably the biggest event for black podcasters in the nation, but I'm just making that up, but I'm sure it is. It's a huge event that happens in New York every year and it's put on by T with Queen and Jay, which is another podcast that I really love. And I love, um, Queen and I love Jay. And so they put it on each year and I've just only heard amazing things about it and just a space to be able to connect with other black podcasters who are doing this work to party and just be in the space, share resources, network, all of that good stuff. So I'm trying to get to New York to be able to do that. So your Patreon money and your donations to Cash App are allowing me to be able to just um, build with other folks and to contribute to making this podcast better because it contributes to making me better and a better, a better podcaster, a better spiritualist, just a better bitch. So thank y'all so much. I appreciate you. Um, just all of the things about the podcast is what you, what your donations go to. So it is used and it is deeply appreciated. So thank you. Thank you. I'm always just trying to figure out new ways to build out the podcast and none of those ways are free. So if you enjoy the show, I just, I just, um, appreciate and ask that you all send monetary donations, but you know what? It'd be hard to secure bags out here. Coins, you know, it's not, we, we can't always donate coins. And there are other ways to donate to this show that are equally as appreciated. So other ways to donate to the show is tagging me in posts about the show on Instagram. Y'all are great at that. Um, tagging, talking about the show on Twitter, hashtag a little juju podcast, letting people know, putting people onto the show, um, all of those are ways and talking about it, rating the show on Apple podcasts, five star reviews, only comments on whatever podcast platform you're listening. All of those are and engaging with the show are so important to me and, and spread the juju gospel. So I, I really appreciate those ways um, that folks donate to and help sustain and support this show. It all, all of it matters. All of it matters to me. And of course, if you just want to sustain me in my life, you can always book a reading <laughs> on my site. It's jujubay.com. But again, all this will be in the show notes. And again, I just want to say thank you so much to the people who just send me love consistently and constantly outside of money. Um, Just always pouring into me and speaking life into me. It does not go unnoticed and it does not go unfelt. So I appreciate you pouring into this black woman. (sighs) I love y'all so much. So, so much. All you need is a little juju. Okay, so without further ado, I want to um, big up (laughs) Yalosa Oshunyemi Akalatunde, which I have talked about on this podcast episode, on um, 
previous podcast episodes before, I'm sure y'all know, I've quoted her so many times in here. I have put her information in the show notes before. Um, I've talked about the reading of the year of 2019. I've talked about some videos that she put up about Shango and, and our ancestors. She is such a really powerful, um, I consider her an elder, um, in, in the community, specifically like the Orisha community and tradition she is a champion for black women everything that she does what she speaks about um who she always gives honor to is black women is is mothers and i am just so grateful to have found her i actually saw her for the first time i went to um the black witch convention that happens every year in baltimore um i think it happens in october but i can't remember i don't know but it was this was like two years ago so this was it was, it's called Daughters of the Moon. And so I was at Daughters of the Moon two years ago and she did a talk about like black women being the original gods. And it changed my whole ass life. I mean, just having been someone raised Christian and also understanding or traditionally understanding God, not just as a man, but generally you know, as a white man, you know, Jesus being a white man. And even though I was not Christian at the time that I saw her speak, I didn't really have any other information or anyone telling me like, no, the first people that were the first deities or yeah, that people were worshiping, you know, BC before Christ were black women. Some of the oldest examples that we have of, 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 and, and, um, through like art that we see through art and that we see through sculptures, you know, art of black women deity. People were worshiping black women as deity. And so she was the person that kind of showed me examples of that, came with receipts, came with pictures. And I was like, wow, so damn. Imagine if we were actually raised in a culture where that was understood or said or named. And that was just like, that blew my mind. And so since then, I followed her on Facebook and Instagram. And she just be out here speaking speaking truth to power and speaking life into me and so many other people. Um, she is a priest, of, a priestess of Oshun. And I know she has many godchildren. And, you know, I, I know some of her godchildren who also sing her praises so much because She's a marvel. She is a marvel. She's a marvel. She's a marvel. So I'm blessed to have been able to share um, a call with her and and to interview her. Such a powerful being and such a loving individual who you just know cares and you know who, who actually is honest about what they're saying and believes what they're saying and moves in ways that support what they're saying. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I can't say any more, but just, I hope that y'all enjoy this interview and, um, y'all go follow her and watch her videos on YouTube. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of information. She's also just smart as fuck. Like go get this tea, especially if you're interested in like Orisha tradition. Um, if you're interested in, she always generally says Anago because Anago was what Yoruba folks were called before they were named Yoruba. They were Anago people. So if you want to know information about the Anago slash Yoruba people, the Orisha, she has so many videos on YouTube that you will, if you watch all of them, you will have, you'll be 
you'll be in a good place. <laughs> you'll have a lot of information. She does classes, but we'll talk about that in the interview. So let me stop running my mouth and just, you know, I hope you all enjoy this interview today. Alrighty. Hi, Ia. How are you? Hello. I am wonderful. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on a little Juju podcast today. I really appreciate it. My listeners know that I stand you. I talk about you all the time. <laughs> so they probably already know who you are. Um, but I do want to ask you, um, what is your title? Um, what do you go by? How do you identify yourself? Um, my title is actually um, um, I guess most people just call me Ia or Yeye. And wow, how do I identify myself? Girl, just a radical black woman out here making it happen. Hey, I say, me too. So we in the right place <laughs> right now. Um, so my first question is I know that you are a priest of Oshun. Mm-hmm. And um I kinda wanna start this off as like very basic understanding um for folks who might not know who Oshun is or might not even know what a priest or priestess is. Right. Um so can you just um just sort of talk about what it means to be a priestess and what, what tradition you're in and mm-hmm. just what that means? Mm-hmm. All right. I am blessed to be initiated for twenty five years into the um Yoruba philosophical and religious system. And in our system, we do have several different manifestations of the divine, and we call these manifestations Orisha. And so the Orisha can be seen as forces of nature. They can be seen as cosmic forces. Everything that we can see, touch, taste, feel, smell, these are all parts of Orisha. And so every person has an Orisha or or two, that are predominant in their personality. So each type of person, some people have watery type personalities. Some people have more earthy grounded personalities. Some people have kind of airy kind of sky bound personalities. So our ancestors um, paid homage to that by making sure that each of those mysteries remain intact. And so in order to understand the mysteries, for me, for example, I'm, I'm an, a water person. And so the Orisha of fresh water is Oshun. So to maintain an understanding of those mysteries, our ancestors created priesthoods. So I am initiated into the Oshun priesthood. And what it means is I spent my entire life and I'll spend the you know continuation of this life and possibly other lifetimes learning and understanding these mysteries and then offering any sort of connection to these mysteries that's needed to my community as a service. So being a priestess means I am a servant of my community. And what that means is that I keep every member of my community connected to the divine within themselves. I do it through that Orisha or Shun, through the Orisha of fresh water and love and beauty and introspection and harmony. But each priest or priestess uses their own Orisha, the Orisha that's predominant in their personality, to remind community members that they are divine. That is what we're here to do. So every service that we offer, that's what that's supposed to lead each person back to. Mm, Thank you for that. Um, That was a really great description of of priesthood um, that I never heard of it like that. And also the ways that you described um, the Orishas. Um, was was also different for me, so thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how, so you said you've been a priestess of Oshun for twenty. You said three years. Twenty five. Twenty five years. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, 
talk, can you talk a little bit about what it actually means to be a priestess of Oshun? So you talked a little bit about Oshun as the Orisha deity of, of love and beauty and harmony, but what does that really mean? Like what sort of um, lessons have you sort of teased out from, <laughs> from Oshun being those things? I know that's a, a loaded question, but just a few things. <laughs> well, Oshun's sacred city is Oshogbo. Her sacred city in Nigeria is Oshogbo. And the Oshun priestesses in Oshogbo say Oshun is my Olodumare. So from the perspective of, of that, Oshun is actually my Olodumare. So in my life, Oshun is everything. In my life, Oshun is the head. She's the beginning. She's the end. She is the everything. She is where I place all of my needs, my wants and desires, as well as my gratitude. But so what does Olodumare? I'm sorry. Um, I just want to just for listeners, what does it mean to say Olodumare? Who is Olodumare? Olodumare would be everything, the all. Okay. So, um, erroneously, sometimes people will say Olodumare is God in Yoruba belief, but that that's an error. That's not correct because we don't have a jealous, spiteful deity that sits in the sky and waits to smite people. Mm -hmm. So if you say Olodumare is God in Yoruba belief, then you're putting all of that Abrahamic, horrible, patriarchal, abusive connotation of Ooh. God within our sacred system. And we never, ever had that. So Olodumare is the all. Olodumare actually means the owner of the womb of the rainbow. So mm -hmm. Olodumare is everything. Everything all, you know, shrunken down into one. My um, teacher used to call it the ultimate reality. Mm -hmm. So from the perspective of the priesthood, Oshun would then be that for me, my ultimate reality. I don't look, you know, anywhere beyond her. But from the perspective of life and how we live life and how people experience life, I guess that... Um, initially, people may believe that an Oshun priestess deals with problems of love as far as relationships and things like that are concerned. Um, we deal with problems of money, uh, making sure that you have the resources that you need to live life properly, and problems of harmony, um, making life harmonious, making it sweet. That's what we're here to do. In my life, what I've learned, though, about Oshun is that she is actually a very, very big part of the feminine nature of the divine overall. So the work that I do as far as teaching Black women the origins of witchcraft and making sure that they understand that that belongs to us, the work that I do in making sure that women feel empowered to stand up and be their full selves and embrace all aspects of their sexuality and their bodies and their beauty. All of that work is actually the work of Oshun. Many times because she's introspective, which means she carries a mirror and because she's full of joy, which means she laughs and she dances and she plays. And because she's focused on beauty, which is simply harmony that we can see, many times people will relegate Oshun to kind of a surface level. But the truth of the matter is, is that when the world was being created, when the physical realm was being created, there were 401 Irumale. These are the grandparents of the Orisha, the Irumale. Mm -hmm. And the only feminine Irumale among them was Oshun. The one was Oshun. So people often relegate her to the background and say, oh, she's not that important, but she is actually that force of attraction that keeps the universe going. So in learning her and continuing to sit at her feet every day and continuing to listen to her, it's how I came into the practice of being a champion 
for black womanhood in every way that I possibly can. And always reminding the world that black women and girls are full human beings. That's it. That's Oshun. When I do that work, that's the work of Oshun. Mm -hmm. That is the very protective, caring, nurturing, loving, and very in your face mm -hmm. <laughs> of Mama Oshun. Because she is all that as well. Right. Um, thank you for speaking to the many facets of Oshun. And I want to get to that a little bit later, but that there's just so much more than the surface level that people have placed on her mm -hmm. to just seem as if, you know, just carrying the mirror is all about looks and that mm -hmm. she just, she's cool. And then you just can't do, she don't, she don't uh, boss up on nobody. And that just mm -hmm. is not, has not been my experience mm -hmm. of interacting mm -hmm. with her <laughs> at all. Mm -hmm. Um, and just, I just appreciate you speaking to that because I, I just feel that's a common misconception. I'm sure you've seen it, yeah. um, you know, too, but it's just like, oh, um, okay. So let me just ask now. So there are a lot of people who are attracted to Oshun, which I think makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of people who claim her as her mother, which I think makes sense too. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I'm wondering what you have to offer to people who just feel as if like, oh, I feel very beautiful and I am very loving and I like feminine things. So that's my mother. And mm -hmm. then I'm going to do workings with her. So mm -hmm. as a priest, like how would you kind of guide um, those people who feel that connection to her mm -hmm. in that way? I would say, go ahead and begin, go ahead and begin, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, wherever you are on the path, begin there. If those are the reasons that you feel an affinity for Oshun, then she, she's not going to guide you wrong. And, and loving yourself and looking in the mirror and wanting to look good and all of those things, all of those things are very African. All of those things mm -hmm. can be very empowering and all of those things are positive. So even if you're starting there, then that's fine. Because the truth of the matter is that as African women and women of African descent, we, we don't get to have that. So even if a sister is just starting by wanting to look in the mirror every day and gaze upon her own beauty, that's a point of beginning. And I applaud her for that. Just do that, sis, if that's what you want to do. Just look in the mirror and tell yourself, you know, what a bad bitch you are every day. That's beautiful. <laughs> I applaud you for that. That shit, that shit is revolutionary. Don't let nobody tell you nothing different. Mm -hmm. So start where you mm -hmm. are. So if that is what you feel is that affinity, then I trust and I know and I've seen it throughout my life that the Orisha will guide you to where you're supposed to be. Um, initially, before I got my first divination, I believed myself to be a child of Oya. Most people would assume that I was a child of Oya. Um, and when I got my first divination, I was read as a child of Obatala. Surprise, surprise, you know? And so when it was time mm -hmm. to be initiated, then I was read as a child of Oshun. So whatever Orisha you feel an affinity for, or even if it's just your ancestors, or even if it's just your highest self in the form of your Ori, cling to that. They won't guide you wrong. There is, there is a spirit that leads you to the door and you still are to trust and to always have high respect for that spirit. So if all that you feel is, ooh, I was feeling that outfit Beyonce had on that one time when she had all that gold, <laughs> if that's it, mm. if that's where you starting and start this is, you know, study, find out why she had that on, you know, what, what's the talk about, you know, go ahead, start there. Wherever you start cannot be the wrong place because the Orisha are in our DNA. So we cannot lose them. We can't represent them wrong. However, I choose to represent that's my way. 
and and I'm you know within my rights to do that. However, the next sister choose to represent that's her way. So we can't lose them. They can't be taken away from us. And also, the tradition is not stagnant. So it is not going to look the same way that it looked 400 years ago in Nigeria, and it shouldn't. If it continued to look like that, we would all be dead. The fact that the tradition mm -hmm. is able to change with the times is how those of us who are here in the West, that's how we're alive. So we don't want it to continue mm -hmm. to look the same way. We want it to change with the times. We want it to remain relevant. I'll be 50 years old this year. What if it was only relevant to 50-year-old women? And what if younger sisters weren't interested in it? If I try to force it to look a certain way, it's only going to be good to me and my sister friends. And we're going to be like, oh, we love this Arisha. And then all the younger sisters going to be like, that shit is boring as hell. So we, we want it to change. If it doesn't change, if it doesn't morph into new things, then it will not continue to be relevant. And then the tradition will die. So wherever a sister or a brother feels led, then come on, come on in that doorway. That's fine. Keep on studying. If you want to ask a question, ask a question. You want to get a divination, get a divination. You know, read a book, buy a book, do what you need to do. But feel free to start where you are because the deities are in your DNA. We are people of West African descent. This belongs to mm -hmm. us. It is right there. It's in your blood, it's in your skin, it's in your hair. You can't start wrong. Whew. Okay, I was, I, was still, I was over here just nodding up and down. Thank you so much for that. I mean, I appreciate that because I tell people all the time, like I was a Beyonce Oshun girl. Like I didn't know anything about Oshun. I wasn't thinking about Oshun. I wasn't thinking about Norisha. I didn't really know anything until Beyonce came out with Lemonade and then all these articles mm -hmm. started coming out. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, let me do my, my little research. I'm really attracted and I have an affinity towards right. this thing. And now I took my ass to the mat and then it's like, oh, you're a child of Oshun. Now I just have this whole different experience and different right. life because yeah. of Beyonce. <laughs> Literally because yeah. of Beyonce. <laughs> so, yeah. I appreciate you saying that because it's definitely... Um, yeah, I mean, people have different thoughts about it and, and little shade being thrown every now yeah. and then for people who are attracted to Oshun. But I think I think the attraction to Oshun makes sense because there's no Oshun. <laughs> How can you not? You know, um, when I did the reading of the year this year, one of the Odu that failed was an Odu for Oshun. And I said, I mean, she's a plate of honey in the universe. There's mm -hmm. no way to resist that. You right. know, you see a plate of honey, everybody's supposed to come and get some. So yeah, everybody loves Oshun. People talk about they worship their God because they're afraid not to. I said, oh, I worship my deity because she's irresistible. Ooh. If I tried to resist her, I wouldn't be able to. <laughs> so it has nothing to do with fear, but yeah, yeah, it's irresistible. So yes, everybody loves it. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Ooh, yeah, she's so irresistible. <laughs> okay, um, I want to go back to because you talked about being um a champion for Black women mm -hmm. and for Black womanhood, and talking a lot about how we are human beings, and that is what I love so much about your work. Like you really center and applaud and uplift Black women in everything that you do and every breath that you take. And I feel that, like as a Black woman, I feel like you were like speaking life into me every time that you speak. Um, and so I want to, and you said a little bit about talking to black women around the origin of witchcraft belonging mm -hmm. to us. Mm -hmm. So can you speak to how you have seen that in witchcraft? How, how do we know that to be true? If you look at the origins of witchcraft, when we talk about witchcraft, I am specifically speaking of um, what is considered to be a European tradition of honoring the goddess. 
So when you think about a European tradition of honoring goddess energy, um, European women called that witchcraft. And witchcraft is a Celtic term. The Celtic language is actually a black language. It's not African, but it is black. But we'll give it to them and we'll say it's a European language. But it means <laughs> um, the craft of the wise. Mm-hmm. And so when you study their tradition, then if you look at the original goddesses that they are worshiping, it, it's us. You know, I challenge all of your listeners and you yourself to go and look at a picture of the Venus of Willendorf. It's it's a, a curvaceous black woman with bantu knots. I challenge any of your listeners and you to go and look at, uh, what is her name? The Venus of Katohayuk. This is a curvaceous black woman with an Afro puff. So if you look at the images of the Neolithic and Paleolithic goddesses that were the beginning of what we consider to be European witchcraft, these were black women that they were worshiping. So witchcraft is ours. It is the worship of us, just as everything, every other tradition on earth began as the worship of us because we're where everything came from. So, I mean, who else would you worship but your mother? Like when I was a child, before somebody told me that there was a thing called God, then the being that fed me and clothed me and took care of me was mama. So that's where my worship was. And once I began to study the tradition, I put my worship back in that rightful place because that's that's what it is, right? It don't come from nowhere else. You know, mm. I tell my kids all the time, oh, I'm God in this house. I determine <laughs> whether or not the sun is even going to shine off in here, right? Mm-hmm. And that's my right to do that, right? I've earned the right, right to do that. Once you done push somebody out of your body, you've earned the right or had them cut out then you've earned the right to do that. That's part of what it means to be mother. So any of those ancient traditions, if you look at the source of who they are worshiping, it's it's a black woman. So witchcraft is ours. It belongs to us. Hmm. So part of what I do now um, is teach black women about the origins of witchcraft and how to use that power that's innate within us to manifest what you need by use of natural forces. It's what it's what we do all the time anyway. We're always doing it. We're never not doing it. It's just that we're not always conscious of the fact that we do it. And I'll give you an example that I use all the time. Most of us come from um, the hood, we'll, you know, the lower end of the economic spectrum, you know, we'll, we'll mm-hmm. nicely. but most of us come from the hood. That is, you know, just where black people are placed in this particular society. So you say, if we grew up in the hood, then we all know that sister who doesn't seem to have a job or doesn't seem to have an income, but her children are always in the latest attire. How is she doing mm-hmm. that? That them clothes is high. We know them clothes are expensive. <laughs> How is sister doing that? She's manifesting that because that's what's important mm-hmm. to her. That's what she thinks is the mm-hmm. most important thing. So she thinks that to be a good mother, her baby has to have the latest tennis shoe. So she manifests that tennis shoe. That's magic. She ain't got the money for that tennis shoe. But she manifests it. So we we are doing it all of the time. We're just not conscious of it. So it just takes somebody coming and making you aware of it and saying, you've been doing this. This is what you've been doing. And then you're like, oh, well, that means I can do this on every level. That means I can be doing this everywhere. And that's, that's how we survived. None of us would be here if our grandmothers hadn't been able to manifest food. I come from a family of nine. I have eight siblings. Um, we lived in a the house that my parents had when they were still married was two bedrooms, right? 
and we were all squeezed up in there. And I'm from a small little Southern town called Columbia, Tennessee. There's no job that a black man or a black woman can get in Columbia, Tennessee back in the sixties when I was born, that's going to allow them to feed nine people and, you know, 10, 12, including themselves, you know, that's, that's not going to happen. So my family food was manifested. My, my, my daddy would go out and hunt. My mother always grew a garden. Your neighbors would always give you the excess from their garden. You would give them the excess from yours. This is all a process of manifesting. You don't put your hope in a job. And my mother taught me this when I had my first child. You don't put your hope in a job. You don't put your hope in money. You put your hope in your connection to the spirit realm. And that's what my mother said. That's how you're going to feed your children. It's through your connection to the spirit realm. Because if you put a hope, your hope in a job, then one day you're going to get laid off. Or one day your company is going to fold. And then what you going to do? What you right. going to do when the economy is bad and your right. company goes belly up? And what you believe is that you've been feeding your children because these people were kind enough to hire you and give you money. If that's what you believe, mm. then now your children are going to be hungry. But if you know, oh, it's through my own manifestation and my personal connection with the spirit realm that I'm able to pull this shit out of the sky. Cause that's what black women are doing. We, we pulling shit out the sky. Come on, be honest. Don't act like you ain't never done it. Don't act like you wasn't never a bill that need to be paid. That bill was exactly $235 and you got exactly $235. We do it all the time. We do it all day long. We just don't remain conscious of it. So when we talk about witchcraft, other um, that's the name that other people have given to the ability to do that. And so the supreme mm. manifestresses of the universe are black women. We manifested the whole damn thing. We, we did the whole thing. So, so that's us. <laughs> so then, yes, we, we get to do that. We've been Ooh. doing it. We don't do anything but that. Right? Right. 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 I mean, that's a big part of, thank you for that, of, of what this podcast is about. And a lot of the times I talk about this idea of like secularism, like, okay, now I have to do a job. And then in two hours, I'm going to go do spiritual stuff. And then in mm-hmm. the next, after that, I'm going to go feed my kids. It's like, it's all the same all thing. The Spirit has to be mm-hmm. incorporated and is incorporated in every single thing that we do. And this yeah. concept of this things, these things being separate is not ours. Mm-mm. It is not of our people. No. <laughs> and and we can't ours. live with it like that. Like that's going to make mm-hmm. you feel a certain kind of insanity. That's a specific type of psychosis. Mm, trying to break right. it up like that. But once Ooh, you put right. that string straight and be like, yeah, this is all spirit, you know, mm-hmm. then you good. Mm-hmm. You can live with it. Yeah, exactly. And and life feels better because when I started thinking about, okay, me going to the club feels spiritual. Like I know it's something that's happening when I'm shaking mm-hmm. my ass exactly. and it's not separate. It's, it's just that. Exactly. So, oh, wow. Thank you. So how did you get to this point? Like, do you feel <laughs> like, I, I just, <laughs> what brought you here? I mean, I know Oshun um, did a lot of this work, but like how, what made you sort of know that it was in your destiny to like talk about these things and to be such a champion for black women in this way? <laughs> um, well, I think so much of it is upbringing. You know, mm-hmm. I, I come from a lineage of audacious, loud mouth as black women, you know, that refuse to sit down and shut up. So I come from a lineage of that. So I don't have a, you know, I don't have a, a, an example of a woman who sits down and shuts up. That's not my norm. 
So that's that's the first thing. So that's how I was raised. That's what I grew up seeing. That that is who my mother and grandmothers were in my community. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. The second thing is um, I was also raised by my mother to be very analytical, to think very analytically and to think very critically. So she always said, consider the source, consider who's telling you something and why the hell they might want to tell you that. And then also always dig and research for yourself. And so I find that the more research you do and the more truthful and honest you're able to be with yourself about what you're seeing, that you know, you morph into who you're supposed to be. And I just, once I was initiated into the priesthood, I was initiated I had the the honor of being initiated by and taught by a, a um, well, he, he called himself a Bokanon, which is in the Vodun tradition, not necessarily in the Orisha tradition. And so I was taught by the Matahochi Kofizanu, Ibarasarun, he's now an honored ancestor. And he very much taught us to be free. He didn't teach us spirituality as a form of bondage, but he taught us spirituality as a way of freeing yourself and freeing your community. So that too made me feel very sure of myself and sure of my perceptions and my interpretations of things. And then, you know, the rest of it is just life. You know, it's it's the life that you live. It is who and what you have to be in order to survive in this system that you find yourself in. And so being that, and having to be that on a daily basis, it makes you a certain type of woman and a certain type of being. And what I refused to do was to be ashamed of any of that. You know, it's like, well, this is what I have to be. This Mm -hmm. is the life that I'm living. This is the destiny that I chose. I chose to be born in this time. I chose to be born in this body, which looks like this. And I chose to be born in a society that has these types of reactions to this body. And so since all of this was my choice, then I'll be damned if I'm going to sit here and be ashamed of it. You know, this is perfection. This is magic. You know, this is the best possible thing to be. It has to be because why the hell else would I have chosen it? You know, so in, in understanding it and in fully feeling myself in that way, then I don't want any other sister to be out there thinking something different because that's simply not true. You chose this perfect body for the destiny that you had to fulfill. We, our, our bodies are all made differently because we all have different destinies to fulfill. So I don't want any sister to be out there feeling ashamed of how she looks or what her path has happened to be. You chose to be born into this family, which has this particular economic background. So there ain't nothing to be ashamed of. Ain't nothing, you know, all mm-hmm. of that is powerful. So you chose it for a specific reason. So love it, embrace it. And when you see your other sisters around you embracing their thing, that's just as fly, you know? So mine is over here, fly and shining. I'm shining it up. I'm sprinkling it down with Florida water. I look over there at yours and I'm like, damn, Juju's is fine too. Look at her. You got little Palo Santo, you smudging it up. I'm like, damn. So then we're together, you know, doing those two things. Our things look different. But other sisters are looking and being inspired. And what we want them to feel is not, you got to do it like me. But we want them to look at us and say, oh, damn, I get to do it my way. Yeah, girl, do it your way. And then you have this beautiful dance right. going on in the universe. And this beautiful cone of empowerment, you know, that's just spreading out from Black woman to Black woman. You know, and that can't be anything but healing. That can't be anything but good. Right. Right? So, 
it comes from that, just refusing to be ashamed. Because I mean, you know, every day, every day, anytime we turn on this laptop, right? Anytime we turn on this phone, mm-hmm. it's gonna be another reason for us to be ashamed, just of being. Just when I um mm-hmm. when I decided to study the Arisha, that was what made me decide. So I had my first daughter. I was I was 20 years old, got married, had my first baby. And then I had my second baby by the time I was 21. And I was in the process of getting a divorce and just trying to figure out what avenue my life should take. And what I was tired of, as far as Abrahamic religions were concerned above anything else, was everybody telling me that I was cursed. I was so tired of that shit. I was tired of my period being a curse and my womb being a curse and my curly hair being a curse and my black skin and the weight of my lips and my ass and just my whole thing was just a curse. And I was sick of that. And I, and I said a prayer and I said, check this out. I'm not worshiping anything else that sees me as a curse. The next thing that I worship mm. will be the thing that sees me just this way, just this way that I'm sitting here before you as divine. And so I don't lend my ashe to anything that doesn't see me as completely divine. So if you got a problem with me shaking my ass, then you, I ain't got no ashe for you. You got a problem with me cussing, I ain't got no ashe for you. You got a problem with me having babies and not being married, I ain't got no ashe for you. I don't give my ashe to nothing like that. And if anything that anything that says that anything about a black woman can be cursed, I ain't got no time for it. Once I hear somebody say something like that, I ain't got no time for it. I ain't got no time for it. Ooh. I think you were the first person that actually made me think about um, the Orisha tradition as something that was inherently like for black women mm-hmm. and like in celebration of black women. Um, Cause I, to be, quite honest, I I think that I was introduced to it in a very patriarchal way. And it felt very similar to what I had just left um, as growing up a a former Christian. And so can you just kind of talk about how like Orisha, the tradition itself is like inherently matriarchal? I mean, I think you you have kind of touched on that, but just just how when people talk about it in this patriarchal yeah, way, I'm right. like, no, that's actually just that's not right, what, what it's supposed to be doing. <laughs> so I would direct everybody. I'll, yeah. I'll explain it, but I also want to direct people to sources because I obviously was not born and raised in Nigeria. Okay. But I would direct you to Nigerian sources that will validate mm-hmm. what I'm about to say. So the best source that I know, the sister's name is Oye Ronke Oye Wumi, and it's O-Y-E-R-O-N-K-E. O-Y-E-W-U-N-M-I. And this is a Nigerian sister. And she explains the beginning, the origin of Yoruba culture and still the kernel of Anago or Yoruba culture as being matriarchal. If you look at all of the leaders in the Yoruba tradition, including the one that we have here in the United States, the Obadan and Oyotunji, when they put their crowns on, all of their crowns have little tiny birds on them. The little tiny birds are are symbols of the ancestral mothers, right? So that because that's where the power of the nation is held is by the ancestral mothers, which, of course, we know, you know, all you have to do really is believe your eyes. Everybody know the ancestral mothers who hold power in everybody's family, right? So, okay. That's no different. That's not new to us, right? So -hmm. then you look at that as far as the political structure. Um, When you look at the familiar structure of the Anago people, the, the money of the family, the resources of the family is, is held by the women of the family. 
that is just the norm. Um, the reason for that is that the woman is connected to the land, the woman is connected to the house. These particular things are seen as things that belong to her. And those are the things that generate financial resources. So money in and of itself, Ajay, is, is a female deity. It's, it's a goddess, you know? And financial power, the marketplace, is understood to be run by women. Mm -hmm. So if you look at financial power in the system, if you look at political power, then both of those two things are understood to be feminine, right? So then we move on to spiritual power. When you look at spiritual power, there were two um, festivals, two modes of worship that the Anago people refused to give up when our ancestors were forced to take on Christianity and Islam. They were forced at gunpoint and at knife point to take on those traditions, two things they would not stop doing. They said, you can kill me, but I'm not going to stop doing these two things. And that is the Gungun Festival and the Gele Day Festival. The Gungun Festival is the festival that celebrates the honored ancestors and the honored, those who have gone on, the honored dead. The Gele Day Festival is a yearly festival to celebrate the feminine principle. The term Gele Day means to, um, to pay homage to the vulva. That's what the term is. That's what it means. Hmm. So it is a celebration of the ancestral mothers. And the way wow. that they explained when the colonizers asked them, there is a book called Gelade written by two white people, Henry and Margaret Drewell, D-R-E-W-A-L. And they asked them, why do you continue to do this celebration? You're a Christian, you're a Muslim. Why do you continue to do this celebration? And the Yoruba um, elders answered them and said, the ancestral mothers are the source of everything. They are even your source. And they said, if we stop celebrating them, mm -hmm. the world would cease to be. Well, if you look at Yoruba culture, the spiritual origin is the woman, is the ancestral mother. The Political power is held by the ancestral mothers and the uh, financial power is held by, you know, current women working in the marketplace. So that is how the culture, that's the structure of the culture. Still today, mm -hmm. still today, right now, 2019, any Yoruba person, if their mother kneels down in front of them and holds her breasts out, they have to do whatever she says. It don't make a difference what she said. I know people who had wanted to marry somebody else. And right. their mother came and did that and said, now nah, you're going to marry this girl. I said, and they had to do what mm -hmm. she said. That's how much power that is understood to have in your society. <laughs> my, uh, my daughter's ex-husband is a Nigerian brother, born and raised in Nigeria. He told her that right now, today, when middle school, when he started liking little girls and wanting to date little girls, he had to pay their phone bill in order to be able to talk. Because the girl would say, how are we going to talk on, on, on what form? You know? So we think about how the type of power that women wield in, in, in traditional African society. Oh, that's serious. That ain't never went nowhere. That ain't never went nowhere. We made to look at it a particular way over here in the West. And ain't none of that true. Mm. Ain't none of that true. You go and talk to you a Nigerian woman or, or, or a Ghanaian woman or a Sierra Leonean woman, Gambian, Senegal, I don't care. Anybody that comes from that area that we came from, you talk to a woman from that culture and she will tell you the type of esteem a woman is held in. You don't even come to ask to date a woman 
if you can't show that you're going to be able to properly take care of her. In traditional Yoruba society, you cannot ask for a woman's hand in marriage if you have not already set up her entrepreneurial business. Okay. I was married when I went to Nigeria and my husband was a Babalao and we wanted to renew our wedding vows. And mm. so when we got to um, Abiokuta, we were at my sister's house, the family that adopted me. So I call her my sister. And he, um, you know, he was proposing to me again. And my sister came out of her kitchen and she said, no, our answer is no. Our answer is no. She, she will not marry you. She said, this woman is, is a beautiful woman. She is a magnificent writer. She is an author. She said, where are her computers? Mm. Where is her office? She said, our answer is no. This is my sister. So from my family, we say no. And so what she explained to me was that when my brother had asked for her hand in marriage, she's a magnificent seamstress. He already had the shop set up with her 10 and 15 um, sewing machines in it. Wow. Otherwise, he couldn't even ask because you don't, you understand the worth of a woman. And so you never approach a woman with nothing. Mm, okay. Because to take that woman out of that family, you're taking wealth out of that family. So what you're showing to that family is not only can I take care of her, but she will continue to generate this wealth that you raised her to be able to generate. So the woman is held in a particular type of esteem today, right now. And even though the society claims to be patriarchal, talk to the women and they're going to validate everything that I'm saying. They'll validate everywhere. And they probably got more stories than me because I ain't from there. I just know about what I know from, you know, my friends and my relatives that happen to be from there. So that's how when women are looked at in that society. Mm -hmm. When we are translating things here in the West, we only <laughs> have that Abrahamic lens to look through. Right. So, so many things we translate incorrectly because we're going to force it to fit into that horribly destructive Abrahamic mold. So we're just translating it incorrectly, but we're not taking the time to actually learn the culture and ask the people. It's not like they ain't still there. Ask them how that particular thing works and then they'll let you know. But don't just sit up and say, I'm just going to take Jesus and wrap him up in some yellow right, and green and right. call him a rumala. Because it's just wrong. You're just doing it wrong. You know? doing it wrong and you're not even propitiating the deity that you want to propitiate you ain't reaching a room a lot like that because he ain't jesus me concerned with that he ain't got no problem right. with jesus right. but that ain't who he is right right <sighs> i mean even talking about you just telling that story um it just makes it affirms, I feel like, so much of how I was raised or the things that I've seen, but the things that often Black women are shamed for. So, like, I'm not trying to date yes. no nigga who ain't got no car. And it's like, oh, she yes. a gold digger. And it's like, well, no. <laughs> I just want to get around. <laughs> but, but now we're gold just diggers. trying to get where she got to go, right. <laughs> so even just thinking about even just culturally just stepping back and looking to our ancestors and looking to the people who ain't ancestors who are still there. Yeah, yeah. Just wow, it just really just rewires the brain, I think, yes. of, of black people yes. and black women um around our desires and things that we need and deserve and are right. supposed to get. <laughs> just supposed to get. exactly. Ooh. Wow. Yeah, that's the norm for us. Mm. That that's where we come from. That's where we originate. And that makes everything smoother. Yes. If you think about a lot of the hiccups that we have and a lot of the difficulties that we have, 
is trying to navigate situations that are so unnatural for us, mm. you know? It's just not natural for us. Whereas if we were navigating a natural situation, it's always going to be difficult to come together and create a marriage and to create a family sure. because it's two people coming together. But if you do it in a way that's natural for me, right? You already have a home set up for me. You already have a mode of transportation. You already have an entrepreneurial thing set up so that I don't have to leave my babies and go to work. I can stay home and mm -hmm. nurse my baby and teach my babies and do what my body's going to want to do when babies start coming out of it. So if that's already set up, look how much more smooth that can be. I'm not saying perfect, yeah. but I'm just saying more smooth. Right. Whereas if you're out here telling a woman you shouldn't be looking for this, you shouldn't be looking for that, then once a woman um, get, you know, gets ready to have a child, she feels completely as though the rug has been pulled out from under her. So when we look at the type of sicknesses that we have when we're giving birth, when we look at the type of sicknesses that our children are being born with, part of it is that we do not feel secure. Nobody is allowing us to get into relationships where we feel secure enough to give birth peacefully to beautiful, peaceful babies that feel good about themselves. Right. Everybody's telling us, you just got to get over here and work it out, you know, with Roy or whoever, <laughs> you know, we there trying to work it out with Roy and me and Roy don't know how we go eat from day to day, Okay, you know, and, and you can't, so you can't. And so and even if you're not going to have children, let's just say you're a person like me, you're an artist, you just want to write. Mm -hmm. So if I don't know how I'm going to eat, how the hell am I going to get the inspiration to sit down and write something beautiful? Right. For real. If I'm hungry, right. it ain't going to happen. Right. So nobody can produce anything coming from that type of limbo perspective. And it is not normal for us as African people. As African people, we always want the best. Mm -hmm. We always want the best. Mm -hmm. We always had the highest this and the highest that. So our expectation is already in our DNA is that all oh, these things are going to be taken care of. So then that's what you take care of first. And then you move forward to get into some sort of relationship, but you can't do that on the back end. Right. That's what kind of leaves everybody, you know, out of control and feeling bad. And both and both parties feel bad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this makes me think. Hmm. So I'm thinking about like how we live under just so many different structures and mm -hmm. systems that are trying to kill us um, mm -hmm. and, and all black people that are trying to take our money, don't want us to have the things that we deserve and need. That's and true. so how, how does sort of looking at these situations, maybe in a more African way or would, would allow us to be able to navigate these structures. Cause it's like, okay, I want to be able to provide for my partner, but yet there's no jobs. Like I want to be able to do X, Y, Z, but there's no that, you know what I'm trying to say? So how do we, mm -hmm. so what, what could be some steps that people are taking in, in ways to sort of view all of this shit differently so that we're able to live the lives that we are so deserving of? Not sure. First of all, I'm going to say something that my brother said to me. He's very financially, you know, he, he does good in that realm. And he said, if you are going to take a job, if you're going to go and work for someone else, then you have to see that money as your venture capital. Hmm. So if you're working for someone else, that's not necessarily what's going to make you secure. Okay. You're putting that into something that's going to make you secure mm. because you have to have the understanding that these systems that are set up in the West are all based on fallacies. So they're all going to continue to fall. 
right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen the, this economy collapse twice mm -hmm. since I've been alive mm -hmm. and I'm not that old. I've seen it completely collapse. I mean, belly up, nothing, ain't shit for nobody, you know? So it's, it's a system that's based on a fallacy. So it has to fall. So we can't continue to put all of our eggs into it, but we work with it and then you understand, okay, I'm using this to build up what I actually want to do. Mm -hmm. So what there really is no way around is there's really, really no way around building your own. There's no way around that. You have to build your own no matter what it is. So if you're a writer, then you have to sit your ass down and write your books. Mm -hmm. And then you have to get those books out to the public. Mm -hmm. So that's not going to initially feed you. It's not, it's not going to initially put shoes on your baby's feet. So yeah, you're going to have to do something else right. while you're working toward this, being able to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's not impossible. Look, look at our ancestors. They lived through years of actually being chattel mm -hmm. until they were able to buy their own body. Right. Mm -hmm. My great, great grandfather bought the damn plantation that he had been owned on. Wow. So how many years, how much saving, how much putting back did he have to do to make that a reality? Right. So I think that the problem is not that we can't work the system. The problem is that we have to have the patience and to understand and remember that what we're doing is working the system mm. as opposed to saying we gonna, you know, get, get to the whatever in this system and let this system be our validation mm. because the system is it's not going to ever validate you. Right. Right. It's just waiting for the opportunity to tear you back down. So even when you get to be Dr. So-and-so, CEO, so-and-so, it's still not your system. Right. So it's eventually going to tear you down. So even if you're seeking to get to those levels, you have to still keep in your mind, OK, but I'm still working this. Right. I'm, I'm working this. This ain't my thing. Right. This ain't what makes me who I am. But this is the thing I'm working. Now you work it to your highest degree now. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> work it all the way up there to the top, right. you know, but keep in mind, okay, this is the venture I'm building up to do this. So if you're working a very good corporate job, then you should be buying you some real estate. You know, if you're making that kind of money, then you should be buying real estate so that when that company goes belly up, which it will, I, 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 I'm not predicting. I'm just telling you what will happen because I've sat here and watched it happen twice in my life. So mm -hmm. when that company goes belly up, you still have rental properties that you own, you know? Right. So right. I, I write, so I'm writing. I'm always putting my words out there. People are familiar with my words. People are this and that. So if I say, and I've also written a book, then people who love my words are going to go and buy that book. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, I got to be over here doing something else. I still have to write every day because that's my dream. That's my destiny. It's what I came here to do. But these children still got to eat. Right. So I got to be over here doing this thing and building up this thing over here so that when this system goes belly up, as it always does, that I have my thing over here that I've been building up. So I think most of it for me, what it appears to be is just a lack of patience and a lack of understanding your place in the world. So work the system to the best of your ability, but always, always have your own thing to the side that you've been building up, you know? that you've been right. putting your money into, that you've been investing in, and you've been putting your time in, and you put your energy and your ashe into that thing that you're building up. You don't give the system your energy. You right. give them your time and your attention so that they can then give you money. But your energy, you put into your thing, and that's how you grow your thing. Your ashe, you put Ooh. it into your thing. Yes, ashe. Yeah. I feel like this is a good um, segue into one of my last questions. And 
I was just sort of thinking like, what do you imagine for the future generations? What kind of world do you want to see? Um, like when you are long gone, even when I'm long gone and you know, mm-hmm. you're an ancestor, what do you want to be? What do you want us to feel? Like, what do you want black women to feel? What do you want black people? To, what do you want people to feel? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how are you contributing to, to that now? I'm so excited. I'm excited about that. I am excited. Mm-hmm. All of my babies, I guess, are millennial, maybe with the exception of the last two. So you, the millennial generation, that whole mm-hmm. generation blows my mind. Hey. Blows my mind. Y'all doing the damn thing. Y'all ain't scared to say shit. Y'all ain't scared to be shit. Y'all just going to be who you are. I love all that tearing away all those very destructive masks. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited because ain't nobody fronting no more. Ain't no future nobody's fronting. Like we 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 prophesied it in the 80s, but y'all living it because we said ain't no future in the fronting. And y'all like you right? Okay, y'all not fronting about shit. And so it looks so very bright to me because when you step mm. out of those pretenses and all those postures of pretending to be something that you know you're not feeling on the inside then you leave so much negativity behind so what i see is a world where people are free to be who they are which to me is the natural mode of the world people are right. very free to be who they are um human beings are going to have to become more organically connected to earth mother again that's going to have to happen because everything that's being set in motion right now a lot of this machinery type of stuff isn't going to be able to last so we're going to have to create a more organic connection but i see that already happening everybody is is Mm reinterested again in growing food and doing all of these types of things so that's already happening i'm not worried about that black women are already take beginning the very, very difficult and revolutionary step of loving themselves, right? And who would have thought that it would be the internet, right? That that was right. these images of ourselves to remind us of how beautiful we are, right? So now we are in a place where people are used to see us loving ourselves. That That's become a thing. It's just a thing, right? That a sister's gonna walk in and think she the baddest thing, right? Everybody's used to that. The internet has made people used to that. So if you see that beginning now, then you know that that is going to move forward too in a particular type of way. So I'm very hopeful. I'm very excited. I think I'm just gonna be in the ancestral realm, you know, enjoying my good old raw food that's being served to me by gorgeous, you know, masculine servants of all kinds. And I'm just gonna be, you know, just looking like them. Look at them babies. They getting it. <laughs> and then I'll eventually just gonna come on back and people gonna be like, that's her, I know that's her, she back again, you know. But yeah, I just imagine myself eating on some little pineapples and stuff, just watching everybody kick it, because it looks good. It really looks good. I feel so very hopeful. And mm. but part of what you get from growing and maturing and becoming an elder, so I'm not quite an elder yet, but I'm moving towards that realm, is that you get the luxury of knowing that everything is gonna be okay. So when you're younger, stuff Ooh. looks really scary because you haven't lived through it before. Mm-hmm. But to my old ass, I'm like, oh, I did this right here twice, you know? So none of this shit looks scary to me. Right. You know, like, no, oh, 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 can't scare That's me. Crazy. You know, I lived through Reagan. It's like, oh, he's just people. You know, yeah. so it's like, none of that can be scary to me because I've lived through it. And I remember my grandmother's stuff that she had lived through and my mother's stuff that she had lived through. So when you think about it like that, you don't get scared. Right. You just know that this is the changing of the God. Right. And nobody's going to go gently into that good night that people don't go gently. 
right? So you know that there has to be some skirmishes, there has to be some this and that, but you also know that the nature of life is that once the ball is set in motion, it's gonna keep on rolling. Right. So I'm not worried. I know they gotta try to oppose it, but I'm not worried because the ball is already in motion. So yeah, girl, I'm looking forward to laying on back on my sheepskin, honey, <laughs> eat my pineapple. And seeing how beautiful it's gonna be with a peacock fan, just fanning right. it. Right. <laughs> I can see it now. I see it. <laughs> oh my goodness! Thank you for that. Um, so, um, briefly, can you just talk a, a little bit about the classes that you offer, um, and just a, a brief description around what they are? Yes, yes, yes. So I have a whole Black Witchcraft set of classes. So um, what I'm teaching right now is actually the metaphysical nature of the Black woman and mm. also a class called Oya, Oshun, and Yemanja. So that's what I'm physically teaching right now. But I have several other pre-recorded classes on sacred sexuality, um, on wizardry, Black wizardry, which is how Black men engage with witchcraft, on mm. understanding spellcasting, understanding the use of crystals, the use of herbs, and um, for Black women on just understanding how to manifest just from inside ourselves, from that sacred kernel and ability that we have to do that. So I have several classes like that. They're all on my website, gottobeoshun.org. So it's G-O-T, the number two, the letter B-O-S-H-U-N.org. And you can just scroll down through and see what's available. Everything is available immediately, except for the classes I'm teaching right now. And those meet every Wednesday and every Friday. You can pay everything up front or you can pay um, by installments because I don't like for money to be the reason that people can't access something. So I offer an installment payment plan as well. Then I have three books. I have one on Pan-African homeschooling. I have one as an introduction to the spiritual system. And then I have another one on a further understanding of the spiritual system. And I'm actually working on one now that will be Mm -hmm. called the Mammy, the Mule and Massage Noir. And it's helping Mm. the world to understand why the hatred of black women, the black female body is so deep and what we can do about that. So I'm working on that one now. Hopefully that one will be published by the summer and people will be able to access it, but I ain't gonna rush the process. Wow, I'm very excited for that. (laughs) I felt that. Goodness, thank you so much. Where can people find you? Do you want to plug any social media that you have? Um, Or how can people book readings with you if they wanted to do that? Yeah, they can book readings on the website. I'm got to be Oshun on every platform except Facebook. On Facebook, I am Ialosha Akalatunde. So it would be just as you wrote it out for your podcast. Mm -hmm. Every other other venue, I'm got to be Oshun. So G-O-T-2-B-O-S-H-U-N. So you can find me that way. And if you want to book a reading, just go to the website or you can always email me at gottobeoshun at gmail. Okay. And for my listeners, all of that information will be in the show notes. So I will have that for you. And yeah, I just want to thank you so, 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 so much. Like I was getting my life. I probably watched every interview that you've been in. And it's just every time I hear you speak, I'm like, yes, this this is what I'd be trying to say. <laughs> and you just said so perfectly and eloquently. And just, I, you are so appreciated and loved. So I'm just sending you all of my good juju and love and blessings to you thank on you, your path. You. And thank you for illuminating the way for for me and so many other people. Asha, thank you all. It is my blessing and my honor. The presence of the Black woman is currency. So anytime I can be in the presence of my sisters, I'm always enriched. So love you, love us. And we're going to keep on doing this thing like we've been doing it since we started. 
Ashe, thank you so much. Have a good rest of your day. All right, you too, sis. Wow, so amazing, so powerful, so important. want to shout her out again just for a great interview. And I remember the day that I in- did that interview, I was having a really bad day. And after the interview, I was like, wait, what was what was I upset about? Like, I don't know. It really, it was so important for me and it touched me. So shout out to Ia again. And I want to close this episode out with a poem by Audre Lorde, who is a self-identified lesbian, mother, warrior, poet. Audre Lorde like raised me from 2011 to t- until now. <laughs> um. So I'm going to read a poem by Audre Lorde called A Woman Speaks. Moon marked and touched by sun. My magic is unwritten. But when the sea turns back, it will leave my shape behind. I seek no favor untouched by blood. Unrelenting as the curse of love. Permanent as my errors or my pride. I do not mix love with pity. Nor hate with scorn. And if you would know me where the restless oceans pound. I do not dwell within my birth nor my divinities. Who am ageless and half grown. And still seeking my sisters, witches in Dahomey. Wear me inside their coiled cloths as our mother did. Morning. I have been woman for a long time. Beware my smile. I am treacherous with old magic and the noon's new fury. With all your wide futures promised, I am woman and not white. Thank you, loves, for tuning into another episode of A Little Juju Podcast. If you would like to follow me on the social medias, you can hit me up on Instagram at I-T-S-J-U-J-U-B-A-E. I'm on Facebook at Jujubay. You can hit me on my website at itsjujubay.com. You can contact me there. You can also hit me in the email at thejujubay.com. Definitely open to sponsoring folks for an episode. So if you'd like to sponsor an episode, you can always do that and reach out to me via email. Uh, media requests can also go to email. Um, and I th- oh yeah, Twitter. I mean, I don't be on Twitter like that, but you know, I'm trying to be on, I'm trying to get better. So I'm at, I'm, it's Juju Bay on Twitter too. Um, you can always hashtag to talk about the show online, a little Juju podcast on Instagram or, or on Twitter um, to keep track and talk about the episodes and talk to other folks who might be listening. Like let's create a little community, you know, you know it's a little community thing, but again, hope you enjoyed the show and I will talk to y'all in a couple weeks. So sending you all the good juju that I have and all of my blessings. And remember, all you need is a little juju. Side note, y'all will be happy to know that I'm going to release the A Little Juju podcast theme song. I wrote a whole song for it the other day at like 3 in the morning. I just need to record it. And we about to be jamming in the summer. We're going to have a little juju podcast theme song so we can bop to it. (laughs) All right, y'all. Later. See you in a couple weeks.